look, I really learned a lot in this one. I learned the term emergency murder. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> emergency murder? Wasn't aware. Wasn't aware. Emergency murder? <laughs> look, the woman who says that, she's a whole other. There's just a lot to get into here, isn't there? Yikes. <laughs> Hey, Patrick Hines. You guys, before we get to the show, look, a couple of announcements. We are doing this in two parts. This is a four-part series from Oxygen. We're doing episodes one and two right here. Episodes three and four are our episode two. They're available right now and ad-free on the Patreon feed, girl. Lady Pates. Hey, speaking of the Pates, you guys, if you want 150 full bonus episodes more (laughs) of Jillian and me, go find us there. Yeah, so all the series, like The Jinx, Making a Murderer, Don't F with Cats, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, We're Doing the Vow. The Vow is bananas. Human branding, you guys. Who knew? Human branding. And like so many other things. There's just a lot. I'm obsessed. When the branding is like the fourth or the fifth weirdest thing that happens in a documentary, there's really a lot to talk about. And I just want to know how they got there. I don't get it. Okay, whatever. Different. If you want to hear me pontificate and scream and be enraged about the vow, come join us on Lady Page, won't you? Also, uh, add free versions of these episodes, after parties, quarantine check-ins, ringtones, interviews. We've got interviews with Asia McLean, Robbie Achadri, Sky Borgman. Nancy Miller from I'll Be Gone in the Dark, our Nancy best friend. Nancy Miller, the director of Tower. Remember Keith Maitland? Remember uh, Ripley Greer, where we yes. recorded that? Yeah. Yes. yeah. In the real world? And then the next week we went back to record again and we had a note that said no alcohol in the room, please. Shocking, I forgot. I know. <laughs> All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about things that need a content warning. So we're talking about death at the mansion on Oxygen and content warning. This story is about trying to figure out if this murder was a suicide. I maintain it was a murder, that it was not a suicide. I agree. I absolutely agree it was a murder. The thing about this Oxygen series is that they say a phrase that we don't really say. We know it's not cool to say. They do say committed suicide. We don't. So when we talk about it, we're going to say died by suicide killed herself, which I also really hate saying because it makes me just... I just want to break in and say Jillian did a lot of research on this this morning. So this comes from like people in the know what were like the actual things we're supposed to say. We, however, cannot take responsibility for Billy Jensen or Paul Holes and what they have to say. Don't (laughs) drag Paul Holes into this, okay? (laughs) And my sweet baby Billy! Listen, I'm just saying, why don't we look out for ourselves? But we play clips from the documentary and they sometimes don't say it in the best way, but that's not our fault. Yeah. I did email Billy and Paul and ask them if they do a re-record. They said they didn't have time this week. <laughs> it's a true story. That's hilarious. Well, we're going to get it. Okay, there's just a lot to say. So, oh boy. Detectives in Southern California are stumped by the discovery of a woman's body at her boyfriend's mansion. 32-year-old Rebecca Zahal was found dead, hanging in the home of her 54-year-old boyfriend, pharmaceutical tycoon Jonah Shacknai. She was found naked, hands tied behind her back, her ankles tied together, the t-shirt stuffed in her mouth. Where have you ever heard of a case like this? People said, how would she do that to herself? Why would she do that to herself? Her death came just days after her boyfriend's six-year-old son fell down the stairs and suffered fatal injuries while she was caring for him. And once they put out the address, we all stopped. We figured, okay, we know what this is. Rebecca had hung herself. Did she commit suicide because she felt responsible for Max's death? 
was this a murder? We have to look past the unusual appearance of the death and focus on the facts and the evidence. Rebecca Zahal's manner of death was suicide. What? No way. Somebody killed my sister. Uh, all right. Episode one, the case of Rebecca Zahau. Am I saying that right? You are. Okay. But again, we're going to be saying this a lot. According to the Oxygen documentary, yes, you are saying it correctly. <laughs> you guys, we're starting out at a, at a little place called Coronado Island. Coronado Island is a little island paradise. It's just a mile or two from San Diego. It has that quintessential small town safe feel to it. Coronado is the lowest crime area in all of San Diego County. The most common crime they have is bicycle theft. I know that's played for a joke, but what kind of rat bastard steals somebody else's bicycle? Why do people do that? It's so shitty. Who steals a bicycle? I know. Or like Christmas presents. It's on par right. with that. It's like, oh God. Or like holi- like presents during the holiday season. Like right. my friend Carrie got like a whole Amazon delivery like stolen from her doorstep in the East Village. God, everyone is the worst. <laughs> So we're with Lonnie Coombs, and Lonnie Coombs is a criminal prosecutor in L.A. for 18 years. She has a motto. She comes with a motto. Ever vigilant, never forget. I am their one shot to get their story told. I would always have a picture of the victim on the wall. And today, the picture I'm focusing on is Rebecca Zahau. She's amazing. She tells us that like, she's very like victim-focused. And whenever she was prosecuting a case, she would hang a picture of the victim on the wall. And she says like she's the one shot for them to get their stories told. Connie kind of wears on me down the road, but I really like her at the beginning. I got to tell you, I've watched this entire series twice I know. in two days. So it's like watching eight episodes of Connie and Billy and Paul. Oh, my. <laughs> the thing, Oxygen Girl, can we talk for a second? Yeah, totally. There was no reason for this to be four episodes. There was just no reason. And, you know, we are very much like Lonnie. We are here for the victims and getting the justice done and getting the word out there about these cases. However, yeah, four episodes seems I like Paul Holes in the blazer, too. But I just feel like four episodes is a lot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So Lonnie tells us she has agonized over this case, the death of Rebecca Zahau. I personally have been agonizing over this case ever since I heard about it, ever since I heard that they declared it a suicide. I wanted to know what's really going on here. As a woman of color, I think there are so many assumptions that are made right off the bat by people in society. We're with her in the car and she's like, you know what I really hated about this whole thing? Right from the beginning, when Rebecca was discussed, it was always like the beautiful Burmese girlfriend of the multi-millionaire businessman whose name is Jonah Shacknai. Wait till you get a load of this guy. God. <laughs> I just want you to be alone in a room with this guy for five minutes. Oh, I'd kick his teeth out. Oh, totally. what a piece of shit this guy is. So Rebecca is the victim here. And so she was, we hear this all the time, forgotten in the telling of the story. We'd hear about how beautiful she was, but then, oh, who was she married? to this like successful multimillionaire. I gotta tell you, I wrote it down as Connie and I know it's Lonnie, so it's gonna be a conversion in my head every time. <laughs> well, say it right at the top. It's Lonnie. I know it. Patrick knows it. You know it. If you hear Connie, Just we're talking about Lonnie. I can't interrupt you every time, girl. I can't do it. Let's just have a little bit of a disclaimer. All I wanted to say was that Lonnie tells us she went to college. She came over to this country. She was very focused on her career. She was a fitness buff. She was a career woman. She spoke six languages. You never heard any of that. It was just the beautiful. And if she wasn't beautiful, they probably would have barely talked about her at all. 
Women have had it, America. Yeah. Women have fucking had it, world. Oh, yeah, for like quite some time. So thanks for listening, finally. Um, oh like the world, not you. I know you, you've been listening from the beginning. But, you know, Lonnie's like, look, Rebecca was actually like a super interesting person. She totally. she was born in Burma. Her father was a political prisoner. When he got out of prison, the family escaped to Germany. They lived there for 10 years. She went to school in Austria. She spoke six languages. And, and Lonnie's like, did you hear about any of that? I know. No. <laughs> No, we didn't. We heard about none of this. So Lonnie is like, or someone from Oxygen was like, hey, Lonnie, please meet Billy Jensen and team up and look at this case. My name is Billy Jensen. I'm an investigative journalist and victim's advocate. I've been writing about unsolved murders and missing persons for 20 years. And I also help police departments solve crimes using social media. You know, Billy, this is not I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Billy. This is Oxygen, Billy. And boy, does it show. But the whole thing is that, like, Billy is coming to meet Lonnie and, like, he's walking to wherever it is that their, like, hideout is. The cool, like, we're going to solve this thing warehouse. That's the name of it. Totally. Yes, exactly. It's it's in every series. So we're with Billy and Lonnie and they're just like, okay, whatever they find, their plan is. What are the facts that the police are looking at to say it's, it's suicide? We might be able to find things that they haven't seen. We might be able to point out things that perhaps were overlooked. And whatever we come up with, we're going to take to the sheriffs. Whatever they find over these four episodes, they're going to take it to the sheriff's department. Yes. And so we learn about this case. Rebecca died in 2011, and there are a lot of questions and really odd occurrences in this case. And this yeah. is really hard to hear, everybody. So just letting you know now. Yeah. They describe it a lot. They show it a lot. I never need to see those images ever again. Oh, my God. And they show various images of it. So yeah. basically, Lonnie and Billy are investigating after the fact. And what has been determined is that Rebecca died by suicide by hanging herself over the balcony of this like mansiony, mansiony, mansiony mansion that she and her billionaire boyfriend lived in. This woman was hanging naked from a balcony outside with her hands tied behind her back, her feet bound together, and a gag in her mouth. And they were saying that this was a suicide. There are lots of images that are blurred out, but they show autopsy photos, like where yeah. you can see her hands. Real, like, close-up images of the injuries and yeah. bruises from the... It's really bad. It's really bad. But immediately, Lonnie says, this is not a suicide. So I'm team Lonnie. It's not a suicide. And Billy's like... We very well might come to the idea that this was a suicide. That's the dynamic that we get right now that stays with us. Lonnie's yeah. saying it's not a suicide and Billy's saying, but maybe it was. Yeah. So now on top of Rebecca's case, we have Max's case. Yeah. Max was the son of Jonah, Rebecca's boyfriend. And Rebecca was watching him. We'll get into their dynamic and relationship a little bit later. And Max is six years old. So he's yeah. literally Daisy's age. He's a child. And so Rebecca was watching him. They were super, super close. And we just learn right now her boyfriend, Jonah Shacknight's six-year-old son, Max, had a fall in their home and ended up comatose in the hospital. We learned that Max had an accident on the stairs. He went into a coma and he died. And that's all we know in this moment. Yeah. And Rebecca's either murder or suicide was two days later. Right. So two deaths in the same mansion within two days. So the sheriff's department says Rebecca felt so much grief and so much guilt about Max that she killed herself. Rebecca's family says absolutely not. And yeah. also, real quick, before we get into the case and the investigation, Jonah, the boyfriend, his brother, Adam, has been found 
found responsible for Rebecca's death in a civil suit. So, yeah. <laughs> Billy and Lonnie, let's do this. Let's go. Come on. And so Lonnie says, let's start with the body. She's a prosecutor. She's like, I always try and start with the victim's body in a case like this because there's a lot of evidence on the victim's body. It's literally her way of speaking and telling us what happened in those last moments of her life. So I say we start there. And we see the bindings. And like, remember, her hands were bound behind her back and her feet were bound together. And the sheriff saying that she took her own life is saying that she did this to herself. Like she bound her own hands and legs. And everyone's just like, girl, is that even possible to do? Because Lonnie's like, so just let me get this straight. And if I was going to kill myself in this manner and I had this balcony to get over, why would you bind your feet if your hands are already bound? You're trying to get over that balcony. You're opining that right. she hopped over to the balcony. Like, it just makes no sense. It makes right. no sense. And also, like, just for the record, it's so horrible that we have to talk about this woman this way. I like, know. the idea I that know. we're, like, just, like, talking shit and sarcastically responding to these sheriffs who didn't care enough to do their job. Yeah. And me saying, yeah. like, now I have to have this vision of this woman hopping. I know. I know. Naked. Naked, by the way. And you did that, sheriffs. Not me. I didn't do it. You did. So they're saying the crime scene is very strange. And so we have some crime scene photos. Right. So we see images of the of the crime scene and we see that like there was a towel on the floor and the idea is that maybe she had just gotten out of the shower. There's blood drops around where the towel is, but there's no like visible gashes on her body. She was having her period at the time. So like some of the blood is menstrual blood. Sure. Yeah. And so then on top of that, there's like this phrase scrolling on the wall in black paint. And you've got what we saw on the door. Was this a suicide note? Was it something that somebody else wrote? She saved him. Can you save her? What do you make of that? This is the fucking scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Sometimes we talk about things that are like not normal as, as though like they're so normal. It's a weird job. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm gonna bring that I'm gonna bring that shit back. It's terrifying. So it's like in black paint, but in block letters, like all in caps, and it looks kind of like the way it's written is odd, but the words are she saved him. Can you save her? Right. And then also there was a small knife on the scene with Rebecca's blood on the handle. And this is another content warning, everybody. But Lonnie says, uh, they said that there was Rebecca's blood on the handle, not just on a side, all the way around. It wasn't just wiped it, it was penetrating something. That knife penetrated that source of blood because we know she was on her period. That's indicative of a potential sexual assault. And the point is that Lonnie is saying if she was being penetrated by this knife, she was not then taking her own life. Like, if somebody's in this room penetrating her with this knife, they're also murdering her. Yes, that is sexual assault. And Lonnie so far is saying everything right as far as I'm concerned. Right. <laughs> I hate the word she's saying. I hate the visuals. Yeah. But I, I hear her. A million percent. Okay, so now Lonnie and Billy go through the theories. And this is immediately, Billy girl, we have to have a conversation. I, I don't like your tone. <laughs> Billy, we love you. I, we love you. But your tone could use some work in this scene. Was it a crime? What do we think happened? What are the theories that could have happened? Let's okay. lay them all out. Okay, okay. Let's start with the one that the police say it is. Suicide. I have a gut reaction that it's, it's not a suicide. You and everybody on the internet has a gut reaction that this is not a suicide. Yeah. 
Billy says in the driest. William Elizabeth Jensen says. William Elizabeth Jensen says, and like this throwaway line. Yeah, you and everyone on the internet have a gut theory that this isn't a suicide. And I'm like, William. I know. Billy. William Elizabeth. You were invited into this let's solve this cool warehouse by Lonnie, I, know. I assume. The thing is, if you've ever met Billy, he's very intense and intent. Like he's <laughs> he's here to fucking solve this thing. Sure. Not to make fucking friends with Lonnie. No, I'm joking. He's very nice, but I think that like he really wants to solve it, you know? Right. And Lonnie's like, bitch, I've had Rebecca's framed picture on my office wall for six months. You think I'm not here for the same reason? Calm down. William Elizabeth Jensen. William Elizabeth Jensen. Well, I'll share a middle name with Billy. Sure. Travel down the road and back again. Girl, Hello Fresh is back. You guys, it's America's number one meal kit. Can I tell you something, girl? What's up? We really, really struggle in my house with dinner. It is really like the hardest part of my marriage. <laughs> And so we finally decided, like, we are just going to consistently get HelloFresh, and the dinner problem is solved. Every night, we go home, we make a HelloFresh meal. You guys, you can do it in, like, 30 minutes. A lot of these recipes, you only need one pot for it, and we never fight about dinner again. It saves your marriage, but it just makes me happy. Like, we come at HelloFresh in very different ways. I know. <laughs> Tonight, I'm making zucchini and tomato flatbreads. Oh, my God. Yeah, no big deal. And I'm also really excited about, this is the Hall of Fame, because they have all these Hall of Fame things, and you can pick your meals every week, so Mike and I go on and decide and we really were excited about the chickpea powered Mediterranean couscous with zucchini and grape tomatoes. I can almost taste them. I'm so excited. They also have these great add-ons that Steve loves you guys. Like for example, Steve needed like lunches in addition to dinners. Yes. You can add on like a kale salad and cooked grilled chicken. Like it comes to you already cooked you guys. Yeah. You just throw it in the salad. There you go. But if you're me, you can also get the garlic bread and the cookies. <laughs> Options. Options and balance. Do we talk about the sustainability yet? Tell them everything, girl. So they deliver the pre-portioned ingredients. So you're not overbuying, which is a total burden on the planet and your wallet, just saying. <laughs> and the packaging they use, it's made almost entirely of recyclable and or already recycled content. You guys, go to HelloFresh.com slash 80TCO and use the code 80TCO to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Right. So that's HelloFresh.com slash 80TCO. Use code 80TCO. And you know what that gets you? Spoiler, $80 <laughs> off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. It's all about the 80. You guys save your marriage. Get the hello fresh. What are you waiting for? Or just be happy. <laughs> like it makes me. <laughs> So the second theory is that she was murdered and the scene was staged. So now we're looking at the people in Rebecca's life. So Jonah, the boyfriend, yeah. they've been dating for a few years. Also, this is where we get, I really don't like this. Are you going to say the name of the mansion? Yes. It makes me <laughs> so, crazy. I know, me too. Everyone says it with a straight face. Yeah, it's just a silly sounding word. And so they were staying at the Spreckles mansion there on Coronado together. And they were living together at the Spreckles mansion. The what? <laughs> It's like freckles, but spreckles. It's like sprinkles, but spreckles. The Spreckles Mansion. I can't get over it. Okay, so Jonah, the boyfriend, and then Max, who's Jonah's son, six years old, very close yeah. to Rebecca. And then Dina. Dina, you guys, Dina. is Max's mother. Yes. She is Jonah's second wife. And Dina had shared custody of Max. And uh, Dina and Rebecca had, to put it lightly, a tumultuous relationship. More than, okay, I'm sure that that is true. But even bigger breaking news, Dina has a twin sister named Nina. <laughs> now, when Max had his accident, Dina's twin sister, Nina, 
immediately flew in to San Diego for support. Let me say something. <laughs> Dina and Nina, the twin sisters. And look, they didn't do this. Their shitty parents did. Right. <laughs> Don't do this to your kids. Don't do that to your kids. Because when we're talking about a serious thing, like a murder, like Rebecca's yeah. murder, and then we're right. like, and then twins, Dina and Nina come oh in. God. It totally... <laughs> Like, you know, it's so, it feels disrespectful to the whole case, but also imagine them in like second grade being Nina and Dina. That's fucking mean. Think about your kids when you name them. It's not about you. Okay. I totally agree. Nina is in town because remember, Max had his accident like two days before Rebecca died. Right. So Nina is there to support Dina, Max's mom, as is Adam Shackney, who's Jonah's brother, who's Max's dad. You guys, it's so many stupid fucking names. Well, he's not only he's not only Jonah's brother. He is, and we will hear this no less than fifteen thousand times. Take a drink whenever you hear it. Adam is a tugboat operator in Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> Again, hold on. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like a detail they only included for us, but this comes back, you guys. It comes back. And the thing is, I feel like I this is another thing I say all the time on the podcast where it could be like a fill in the blank, like a Mad Lib, where it's like, I don't care if you're a blank. Right. Like, yes, that, that's a yes. cool job. Do what you have to do. But I don't like blank. So now we're going to make fun of it. So a tugboat operator, <laughs> listeners, if you are a tugboat operator, if you come from a family of tugboat <laughs> operators, if your dad is what you're, if you are, I don't care if you love, if you're married to one, if you love someone, that you're a partner, you, that's your favorite thing it's your passion great i don't like adam yeah so now we're gonna like do bits about the tugboat operator i'm sure it's a great job but i'm just saying you are all exempt if you're not adam if you're not adam you're exempt and one more very important thing about adam he was the last person to see rebecca alive and he found her body guys none of this stuff is that important so if you're like steve and you're like making a chart of names Uh with arrows and connecting the dots like the playbill of rent eventually had to do (laughs) oh my god remember (laughs) Yeah, so people can keep straight how Mark knew Maureen. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) So Zena is Rebecca's 13-year-old sister. She's visiting. And then there's Mary, who's Rebecca's older sister. And they were also very close. So these are the people that were in Rebecca's life when she died. And Mary is with us today. Mary is talking to us today. Yes. And then we learn that they are actually going to Mary's house right now, like this afternoon. Lonnie tells us... I've actually been able to contact... Mary. Great. So she is going to um, meet with us this afternoon, she said. Mary has agreed to meet with us this afternoon, and then Lonnie checks a watch that she's literally not wearing. <laughs> she's just like, oh, now? like, So we're with Mary, and Mary is immediately like, you know who I didn't like? Jonah. It was a little awkward, you know, when I first met him, and he definitely perceived that. I wasn't rude or anything, but I wasn't thrilled about it, you know, and it was one of those things where you want to support your sister. She's an adult. I made a note that Mary is very intense, but I think that like everybody here, she's got a point of view and she's the one who's been like, my sister did not die by suicide. She was fucking murdered. Mm -hmm. Mary was saying that like, I would say she was vibrant, compassionate, and definitely a go-getter. We get this little tidbit about Rebecca because Rebecca just like is so perfect looking and beautiful. Yeah. But Mary tells us that she had this really funny sounding laugh, which I love knowing about Rebecca. This like yeah. beautiful woman who like probably had a snort laugh or something. Yeah. And like, you know, Mary was like, when she laughed, I would laugh and then I would yeah. make her laugh to hear the laugh. Totally. Break your heart into a million pieces. I don't know how to say it. She just had this funny laugh and just made me laugh because she laughed funny. Simple things like that you don't think about. 
until you miss it. And then we also meet, we're going to stop meeting people because eventually then we're just with these people. I'm sure sure it feels like a lot. (laughs) They're still making that diagram. He's writing for his life. Wait, so then Joanne and Maureen and then and Benny and Mimi, like what? Wait, Angel. Angel was a drag queen. Okay, okay. They pull on my coat. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, So someone we do have to get into meeting is Sean Elder. Sean Elder is journalist, author, curmudgeon. And I... I'm here for it. Totally. In this moment. So he's the one who tells us. I don't believe that everybody in Jonah's life was totally kind and welcoming at first. I heard several people say she did not seem like the kind of woman that Jonah would be with. And I don't know what to read into that. Perhaps that she wasn't white. Perhaps that she was 20 years younger than him. Maybe it's because she wasn't white, probably. Most likely, absolutely, definitely, or maybe probably, definitely, absolutely, it was because Jonah was 20 years older than her. Like, Sean is here with a lot of tea, a lot of speculation, and also a lot of truth in some ways. Yeah, he's been working on this case for two years. He knows every nook and cranny of this case and everybody involved. So Mary is telling us more about, like, the dynamic between Rebecca and Max and Rebecca and Jonah. And so Mary's like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. To me, it felt like he saw a nice person, and my sister was, and took advantage of her. I mean, she was almost like a glorified nanny. I think he knows that she would take care of his kids and she was more of a convenience in all honesty. A glorified nanny because Jonah had three kids, not just Max, three kids. And so when Lonnie asks like, so how did Rebecca get along with all the kids? Mary is all of us, takes a deep breath, kind of shifts in her seat (laughs) and she's like. Jonah had three kids. Yes. How did she get along with them? Oh boy, that's a long story. Um, I don't know all the details, but I do know that the teenagers were a challenge. But she got along with Maxie really well. I think that Mary, every time she speaks, it's an assumed, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I don't think Mary has ever said anything not bluntly ever in her life. She said it once to Oxygen. and She's like, please don't make me repeat myself 800 times. Just everything I say has, I'm going to be honest with you in front of it for the rest of this. Uh, Like, everything out of my mouth is probably going to hurt your feelings slightly, but you're going to go home and realize I was right. For the rest of this 10-day filming. Totally. (laughs) So, you know, she says that the, according to Mary, the teenagers were hard to deal with, which, okay, teenagers are are hard to deal with but totally tracks but she was Rebecca was really really close with Max she actually took the time to play with him she would actually get down to his level and play games with him or read the books to him she was very attached to him Rebecca would like get down to Max's level meaning like they would like play on the floor and Rebecca was cool and like just let Max be a kid and she was fun and she had that cool laugh and like just they were kind of tight and I feel like it was the two of them against the world totally a million percent so remember Sean Elder the journalist Billy and Lonnie want to talk to him because he's been investigating this case for two years so he knows everything so Billy and Lonnie sit down with Sean and they're like girl what was it about the suicide theory that made you say no bitch And he was like, thank you so much for asking. You could tell that this interview was like five hours edited down to these three minutes. Totally, totally. Because Sean has a lot to say. So what Sean is saying, like like everybody, we're going to hear this over and over and over again. First of all, the knots. Just starting with the basic facts of Rebecca's death, that she, her hands and feet were bound behind her. The San Diego sheriffs, they, they went to great lengths to convince people this could actually be done. If somebody could kill themselves that way. Somebody could tie these ra- rather complicated, rather nautical knots. The knots were very nautical. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in that. We'll get. I don't know if you guys know, but we've got a tugboat master among us. We'll get <laughs> yeah. back to her. 
And then, yeah, he says that, like, the idea of suicide came from the very beginning. Because if you remember, Jonah's brother, Adam, was the one who found Rebecca's body. So after calling 911, Adam calls Jonah and is like, literally says, I got some bad news for you. You're sitting down. Um, Rebecca's killed herself. So immediately that's like, even when he calls the cops, oh my God, there's a suicide. Like that's the story from the very beginning. And it all comes from Adam and Jonah. But guess what, everybody? Pull over because here (laughs) comes the racism. (laughs) Yay. This part is so unbelievably problematic. We need to like blow through this. Because we hear a lot of audio because Jonah's interviewed. And so we hear a lot of audio from the police interviews or whatever. And so Jonah, who's at the hospital with Max and Nina, who's Max's mom, he goes to the hospital room and tells Nina, oh my God. God. Rebecca took her own life. She said, oh my God, why? And he said, Asian honor. And he does this like gesture where he motions like he's stabbing himself in the stomach. This is so racist and so false. And just to be clear, this is the boyfriend of the dead woman. Right. And we don't judge people's reactions. I don't know. But I feel like if your person died, the first thing isn't immediately, oh, I know why. The Asian honor thing. Don't be a fucking racist. I know. I know. So now they decide, you know what? You know what we need? A really seasoned investigator who looks great in a blazer. You guys, Paul Holes is here, okay? Paul Holes is here. I just have, oh my God, hot daddy Paul Holes is here. There's no blazer here, which is fine. Like, I'll get over it, I guess. I feel like the oxygen costume budget might not be exactly the HBO costume budget. Are you trying to tell me that Paul Holes doesn't have like a closet full of those blazers? Because in my mind, uh-huh. that's he just like, hmm, which, which shade of tweed shall I wear today? So Paul comes in and truly from the minute he walks on screen, the only adult in the room. And Lonnie, I love you. But Paul Holes is so confused about like how long this is going to be because I feel like Paul's whole inner monologue is like, yeah. and in conclusion, and some PA is like, no. And he's like, oh, no. There are four, there are four episodes of this? Okay. All right. So I'll just... Okay, I'll just show what I have and I'll explain. Okay, yeah, yeah. so I won't. So you tell me when I can do the inconclusion thing and then I'll do the inconclusion thing. But he's definitely the one. He says to us, he's like, I am going to bring valuable insight as to whether or not Rebecca killed herself or somebody came in and murdered her. I'm basically here to decide what happened. Like these two clowns got us the TV gig, but I'm here to like really get to the bottom of this shit. <laughs> these two Lonnie, I love you, Lonnie. <laughs> And I love Billy. I know. It's just. But you guys, it's our job. Don't get mad. It's our job. Travel down the road back again. Girl, Liquid IV is back. The other day, we got a DM to the TCO Twitter page. It was like, girl, I need the Liquid IV code. Yes. <laughs> was it Mike? Did he run out? This is Mike's favorite thing. No, people love Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier plus immune support to maintain and strengthen your immune system. So, for example, Mike uses it for his workouts to get buff and strong. Uh huh. And I use it for my hangovers to recover quickly. And Mike suggests I take it when I'm feeling a little cranky and feel that headache coming on just to get a little hydrated. You guys might not believe me, but I gotta tell you if you wake up in the morning with like that dehydration headache and then you pour your little packet of liquid IV into your morning glass of water, the headache goes away in like five minutes. It's not a promise, you guys. I'm just saying that's been my experience. Here's a tip. I don't know if I've said this. Throw it in some seltzer. Ooh! How about that? Make your drink a little sassy. Ooh, a little bubbles, a little hydration. This is the thing I always want to say. You guys, the guy who founded this company who like makes liquid IV, he worked with a fancy famous sports team and he saw that they weren't getting their hydration and he's like, we can do better than this. He went out and invented liquid IV. There's no caffeine. There's no sugar. All it does is basically make your like one bottle of water 
water, like the hydrating effects of like two bottles of water. Yeah, it's got like vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc. How about that? Zinc. <laughs> Missed you, girl. Zinc, it's nice having you around. We love Liquid IV so much. We were just talking before we started about how it came to both of our houses this week. We both got excited. It's Mike's Fab Fit Fun. <laughs> Okay, so Liquid IV's new hydration multiplier plus immune support is available at Walmart or order online and get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code TCO at checkout. You guys, that's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code TCO at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com and don't forget, use promo code TCO. Yeah, get rid of that hangover, you guys. (laughs) Say hi to my friend Zinc. I miss her. Girl, Third Love is back. We love Third Love so much. You guys, Third Love knows there's a perfect fitting bra for everybody. Yeah, and you are learning that that is very much needed. All of my life, I've known women who've had complicated bra situations. From my sisters to my best friends through college, this is a lifesaver, mostly because of the Fit Finder quiz I learned. It asks you very like personal questions, not like too personal, but just enough to find the exact right bra for you. Yeah, it's 60 seconds, and like you say personal, but we say typical questions with a bra. It might as well say, Jillian, why do you want to rip your bra off when you're not even in front of your door yet, when you're still walking up your apartment stairs? And I'll say, because it digs into me. I hate it. It's uncomfortable. I really don't like it. And they'll say, oh, okay, wear this one. And then they send it to me and I wear it. And I have not wanted to rip my bra off since. How about that? That is girl. Tell them about the perfect fit promise. So here's the deal. Third Love stands behind their products. And if you don't love it, you have 60 days to return it. The returns and exchanges are free. They're super easy. And then their team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. So they're not going to say, hey, thanks for the bra you just sent us. Now scram. They're going to help you find the one that fits. <laughs> don't scram. In fact, get over here, you. Let's relook at that fit finder quiz and find you the right one. Exactly. Third Love also gives back. Third Love donates all of their gently used returned bras to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. We love you, Third Love. Yeah, they've already donated over $20 million in bras. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, we're obsessed. You guys, Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash TCO right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash TCO for 10% off today. Today. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow. No, today. Today. Get that bra. I don't want to have to say it again. Can we get to the sex club? Because another reason you're all going to be in love with Paul Holes, because he's like... Now, when you have people who are involved, let's say, in bondage, that's what they do. And so they do become very practiced. Did Rebecca possess this skill set? Look, you know, people in the bondage scene could definitely pull that off, like tying themselves up. And he says it like it's nothing, which it is. And he's like, I just wonder, like, did Rebecca possess that skill set? And I'm like, hero bell for Paul Holes for not kink shaming. Hell yeah, Paul Holes. Because he's like, again, he's trying to solve it like does Rebecca possess that skill set of being able to tie the bondage ropes and I'm like you know what Paul I knew I liked you but then weirdly Paul does not come with us to the bondage club because he's solving it Patrick I know right so here's the thing right before we go to the bondage club we see a video from the sheriff's department remember the sheriff's department concluded she could have done this to herself she could have tied herself up and here's how we see a female detective from the neck down who actually is like tying herself up in bindings that kind of like resemble the bindings that 
that Rebecca had on her body. Right. So now we're at a bondage club. It's called the Shibari Room. This is the Shibari Room. Shibari is the Japanese form of bondage where someone is tied up in intricate knots and suspended. We're meeting with the experts. We're going to get schooled on Shibari and kink and one's ability to tie themselves up. Right. And so basically it's really, we're just here and these women are very knowledgeable and they know what's up and their names are Cassie and Faye. It's also like bright and early on like a Tuesday morning, which is not the hours these women are used to working. And I say thank you for doing your civic duty and coming out and assisting us with this. I also do love that like there is definitely a world where someone stops in at the Shibari room before work. (laughs) And you know what? Great. If everyone's like, if the price is right, you know, if you're just pay these women and everyone's consenting. I mean, stopping in before work, that can really, you know, if you're having like, oh God, it's Wednesday. I have that stupid meeting. Let me just stop by Shibari real quick. I love that. I love that idea so much. So these women, Cassie and Faye, they look at the pictures of the bindings and they're like, that's not even remotely close to Shibari. That looks like maybe some sloppy Western look or like somebody had some boating skills once upon a time. You call that Shibari? Like, right. not not even close. And this is, like, so oxygen. Totally. Because I'm sure what the sentence really was was, like, that kind of looks like someone who maybe, like, worked on a boat once or twice. Like, that yeah. doesn't look like anything. But suddenly, these women are just like, you know, that looks like, did someone ever work on a boat, mayhaps? Is there someone related to her? Don't forget, you guys, we've got a tugboat captain in our midst in case we haven't beaten you over the fucking head with it enough. Exactly. So they have Cassie and Orfei, like, say these lines. And yeah. I'm just like they work hard enough like please also I feel like a lot of people watched this next scene because Cassie's like the thing is though you actually could tie your wrists yourself like that yes. that is something you could do and so Billy Jensen does it and I'm just <laughs> curious how many of you have that saved somewhere Billy Jensen because remember Billy's playing the role of the guy who does believe it's suicide so Billy like ties himself up and then like with his arms tied behind his back he's like I mean it would probably take 15 seconds yeah eventually I could do that but If this was the last thing she did, if she had her feet bound, the noose around her neck, and then she finally did this and then hopped over, it could have happened. It wasn't that much of a challenge, to be honest with you. It really wasn't. And, you know, it kind of sways Lonnie. Lonnie's kind of like, well, maybe this is a suicide. You know, like, if the big question here is about the bindings, like, how could you bind yourself and then be able to, like, get over the balcony to take your own life? Lonnie's like... But to me, this means that this suicide theory that we're looking into is still a reality. I mean, very much a reality. She could bind her feet and her hands. There wasn't anything fancy about those knots that were found on her feet, her hands, or even the noose. So this didn't take any expert information or knowledge. She could have done it. Right, but Billy tied his wrists, not his wrists and his feet, and then hopped over to a balcony. So, like, we're just keeping this on the table for the sake of people being able to think about Billy Jensen tying himself up. That's really what this is all about. Yeah, I didn't hate that part. I didn't hate that part, Billy. Well, so now we're in the car, and Billy... William Elizabeth Jensen. Again, I need to have a word. I need to have a conversation. Now, remember, Billy is just an intense guy. And, like, he just sort of says what's on his mind. But, yes, please take us through it. So we're in the car with Lonnie and Billy. And they're like, okay, what did we learn? And what does this mean for the case? And they're really trying to figure it out. And Billy, like, in this moment, playing the role of the guy who, like, really wants to talk about that Rebecca was naked and why she was naked and how often is she naked and why she's so naked. And, like, he goes, why? Is she naked? Yeah. I want to know, did she do other things naked? Did she like to be nude a lot? I want to know, and then like the longest beat ever, 
did she do other things naked? Like, was she nude a lot? And I'm like, William Elizabeth. And this is like, Billy, don't worry about it. That's not what we're here for. You just, I know you just left the bondage club, but like, I don't know, girl. Like, don't, and Lonnie's face is incredible because she is me. She's like, the cameras are on me. I'm a professional. I'm like hosting this. Like, in spite of herself, she almost wants to say, bitch, are you, what? Now, in defense of my William Elizabeth, I don't think that he's thinking about her sexually. Billy is put in a a hard position here because this woman was found naked and bound and he's expected to talk about it. And he's like, like they just went to a bondage club to learn if she could have done it herself. Like, I think that he feels like he's been given license to speak freely. Do you know what I mean? Right. (laughs) But he should have known that we were going to talk about it. So (laughs) So really, episode one ends with this like conversation in the car. That's how it ends. And I'm like, God, couldn't end soon enough. Let's move on, <laughs> shall we? Travel down the road and back again. Girl, my favorite in the world. Ah! Here she is. I love Rothy's. I love them. Rothy's is here. You guys, Rothy's are stylish shoes and bags made from recycled water bottles. I scream about it every week. They're super comfy. They're saving the planet. You can throw them in the washing machine. And like, bada bing, bada boom, it's like they're brand new. I wear the black. Of course. But they have so many options. They have like the round toe. They have the pointy toe. Like the point in black, which is the one I have, it has over 3,000 near perfect reviews. But they're always changing their styles and their colors and their patterns. So if you're like, girl, I'm not going to wear black all the time. And I'm like, okay, do you. Check out their website because there's probably something new that you haven't seen. Can we talk about the sustainability again, girl, just for one more minute? Yes, my favorite part. You guys, Rothy's has kept over 60 million single-use plastic bottles out of landfills and transformed them into their signature thread, which I always say should not be comfortable, but is beautiful and soft and comfortable. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but it works. So they use that blend to knit beautiful, sustainable products, girl. Yeah, I look great. I'm just saying. We've been screaming about Rothy's for forever. I love them. Every time the ad comes up, I'm like, I get to scream about Rothy's. Yes. Fashionable shoes, sustainability. Yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like to be able to put my shoes in the washing machine. It's pretty great. I have to tell you, I can't even try to be humble about it. It's pretty awesome. I got to tell you too, the Facebook group is exploding with people getting their Rothy's on. Yeah. I'm seeing like the leopard print. I'm seeing some pink in there. It's very sassy. It is very sassy. So you guys check out all the amazing shoes and bags available right now at rothys.com slash TCO. That's rothys.com, R-O-T. T-H-Y-S.com slash TCO. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to Rothy's.com slash TCO today. You know what? Do it right now. Yeah. Put us on pause. Go do it, you guys. Or just listen to us. (laughs) Okay. So we are at Death at the Mansion, episode two. It's called Two Deaths, One Mansion. Is that a play on like the two girls, one cup thing? That's what I thought too. I don't like it at all. Who was the producer of this? I'm like really upset by all of this. This is very, this is like, can we- have respect for this case. It feels two deaths, one mansion. Get out of here. I know. I know. I know. So it starts with July 11th, 2011. This is when six-year-old Max falls from the second floor banister and is like rendered unconscious. Rebecca's sister, Zena, was the only person there. When you hear the 911 call, it's her that you hear on the phone. And she's 13, remember. And she's third fucking teen. She's 13. And just as a reminder, law enforcement cites this incident as the reason for Rebecca dying by suicide two days later. Right. So now Lonnie and Billy want to map out Rebecca's entire day leading up to this supposed suicide. Because they want to know if if she was really feeling the guilt. Like they're saying that she died by suicide because of the guilt. Right. And Lonnie and Billy are looking into if that's actually true. 
Right. So they had this report from the counselor who spoke to Rebecca. They actually have like good information about to try to piece this together. And this is a big deal. You know, like not to get political all of the time, but when they talk about defunding the police, what they're really talking about is like adding psychiatrists and therapists to go along with the police on their rounds. And this is what happens in Rebecca's case. After Max was taken to the hospital, a police therapist stayed with Rebecca for two hours. Yeah. And so they really get a window into her mental state right after the fact. Yeah, and it's all very clinical, but here's what we learn. Um, She says that Rebecca's upset, she's tearful, she's anxious, her body and hands are trembling. She gave no indication of depression, nor did she state anything regarding feeling guilty or of regret. We learned that, like, Rebecca was, of course, a wreck. Yes. But there was no indication of depression or... Or even guilt. They say that, like, she didn't feel guilty. She didn't feel like she was responsible. She just loved this kid and just felt terrible that this had happened while she was, like, under his care. Right. And her focus was taking care of Jonah through this. Because, you know, like, we get texts from Rebecca to her sister, Mary. She was keeping Mary up to date on everything. Yeah, they're very uh, close. Mary was asking... Have you seen him? Is he on a ventilation machine? And Rebecca says, I can't believe this. It's a nightmare. And partially it's hard for me because I love him like my own. But he is not. And I need to be strong for Jonah. Max isn't like really biologically my son, but I feel like he is. And so I have to be here for Jonah. And she's sending texts to Jonah like, it's all going to be okay. I have Max's stuffed animal. I'm going to bring it to the hospital. Like she was kind of in this mode of she's going to feel sad and it is tragic, but she put her feelings aside to take care of Jonah. Exactly. So, so you guys, we're with Billy Jensen at a bar, which is one of my favorite places to be with him. I get a bourbon? Bourbon? Ordering bourbon neat at two in the afternoon. This is the Billy I want to see. Okay. This is, this is what I want. Billy, we love you, girl. And so we learned that like Billy, of course, is famous for crowd solving murders. There was the Marcus Gaines case in Chicago. That was like his first big solve. And so he's going to apply that to this case. So what I do is start a Facebook page and do targeted advertising in a neighborhood on a street where you on Coronado Island in July of 2011. And his whole MO is like, people are on Facebook when they see these ads. Like they're looking at like pictures of like kittens right. and like their nieces. And it's, their their inhibitions are down and their humanity is up. I love that he made that point. I know. I love that too. He was like, they're not at the post office, like bored and annoyed, you know, right. like looking at a missing person's ad. They're kind of like, it's just us here. They're scrolling on their couch. They're doing exactly. whatever. Yeah. Barkeep, give me another bourbon. I know. I also love like seeing the background of that. Like the fact that we're talking about like targeted ads. It's so techy and nerdy, but like that's how shit gets done. I know. <laughs> you guys, we're back to this is going to be uncomfortable. It's kind of racist and it's, so, it's very racist and horrible. This is the part that I really, really feel very strange about. So Jonah has been screaming about, he doesn't, like, I don't know if he shed a tear, which again, if you cry, whatever, however you deal with stuff. But yeah, his whole yeah. thing is like, this was an honor killing, an Asian honor killing or whatever racist shit he said. Like an honor suicide. Right. Jonah, how are you a fucking expert on Asian culture, you fucking asshole? Well, guess what? Jonah might not be, but Sam <laughs> Louie, is an Asian honor suicide expert. So that's what we hear. We hear Lonnie and Billy saying that he's like a suicide... I wrote, he's an Asian honor suicide expert. Wow. Because when we actually meet this guy, Sam Louie, his lower third says therapist and diversity and culture expert, which is probably how he would like, I'm assuming that's on his business card and not Asian honor suicide expert. Or like shame expert. Like what is happening? I 
would hope so, but maybe not because Sam, in his own words, again, according to the documentary and according to Sam, in his own words, he's like, Asian cultures are shame-based cultures. So suicide is one way to regain your family's sense of honor. I don't know. I don't, girl, can we, gotta, can we move on? Yeah, totally. Whenever you hear anything from Sam, it's like, oh, we hate it. Let's move on. He's generalizing. <laughs> we're, we're not racist. I don't know what this is. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So back to Billy's Facebook campaign. Uh, <laughs> William Elizabeth gets a response and someone's like, hey, girl, I can't decide if Billy never wants to speak to me again or if he's loving the episode. Billy, text me. Billy, yeah, let us know. We're going to wake up to text. I keep thinking it's tomorrow. This episode is going to come out for a week. I want the group text happening immediately. I know. Yes, yes. So Billy's Facebook campaign gets a response and some woman is like, I heard a story that there was a woman that heard another woman yell, help, help the night that Rebecca was found dead. It was a woman that was just two doors down from the Spreckles mansion. She said she heard it. The time matches up. We just got to dig in deeper into the story and see what's going on. So now we're with Marsha Allison and we're we're with her talk about a piece of work. Listen, we see Marsha Allison's deposition from like years ago. And all I said was Marsha Allison left all her fucks at home. All, all she... If she ever had any, they were like, she's looking in the drawers. Oh, I don't seem to have any fucks to give, Harold. I'm all out. Marsha is just not here for your shit. Also, Marsha must be just unbelievably rich because she lives two houses down from the Periwinkle Mansion or whatever the fuck it's called. Spreckles, how dare you? Also, like, I'd rather it be Periwinkle, honestly. So, and this is like years, her deposition is years after Rebecca's death, but she's on, she's on camera and she's like. The night in question we're going to talk about, you hear something outside that seemed to you to be unusual the woman screamed she was screaming real loud help me help me. i heard someone screaming help me help me help me it was very loud it was 11 30 right. and then they're like you just hear like some voice in the background and it's like did you dial 911 no because she quit yelling so i thought it, was, it must have been all right well she quit yelling so i figured she was all right Marsha! And I'm like, who hears help me, help me, help me? And then ending abruptly and assumes that everything's fine. I know. If you hear help me, help me, help me, and then silence, there's a fucking problem. <laughs> Marsha, that's when you know to call the police. That's when you know, oh, I'll hit the uh, the second one in the Don't. 911. I'll, I'll make sure this call goes through. Marsha. She quit yelling, so I thought it must have been all right. Marsha, in what universe is there someone attacking someone else and they're going, help me, help me, help me? Oh, okay, no problem. And like in Marsha's world, everything was just suddenly okay. Marsha? I know. Marsha. And then and then they asked. You were interviewed by uh, law enforcement people, correct? Yeah, I didn't like them. And there was a lady with them, and she said there's no way she could hear her through that window. You hear everything through that window. They brought a woman with them, she says. Well, yeah, Mar- Marsha probably isn't thrilled that there's a woman doing a man's job. <laughs> but <laughs> but Paul Holes believes every single syllable that came out of Marsha Allison's mouth. Which means, which means guess who else believes her? Me. So, you guys, Lonnie and Billy decide, look, in order for us to really understand what happened in there, we got to recreate the scene. Girl, I don't know where they are. This escalates in a minute. Yeah. But they start out, like, fake recreating the scene in some, some like, circular room. It looks like in a library where there's, like, elevators and windows. And then it's like Paul Holes comes in and he's like, girls, we got to do this for real and from the top, five, six, seven, eight. Right. So, Oxygen steps in and they're like, that's cute, you guys. Remember? 
Remember that John Bonet documentary a few years ago where they rebuilt the fucking house? We're doing that. And they're like, okay, awesome. <laughs> so they do. They go to like a soundstage. They rebuild the bedroom. So like there's a bathroom and a bedroom and then the balcony where Rebecca falls from is either murdered or dies by suicide. And Oxygen like pays engineers to build the whole thing like to scale. We had to do this right. We had to recreate this scene from the ground up full scale. Everything that you can see in the crime scene photographs, we've recreated and placed in this room. Paintbrushes, rope, the knives, even the exact same bed frame that was in that room. And then Dr. Laura Petler comes in. She is a crime scene analyst. Billy tells us, William Elizabeth tells us that they, <laughs> she literally wrote the book on crime scene staging, which I think is really fucking cool. And like, she starts out great because she's saying like, One of the things that is important to recognize about the body of our work is that we are victim centered. So we always take everything and compare it back to the victim. Using the victim as kind of the baseline and the litmus test for relating to the crime scene. When we are recreating a crime scene to figure out if it was staged or if it was like a real murder scene, we're like, what is here? What belongs to her? What doesn't belong here? Like, she tries to get into the mind of the victim. Right, but we're going through things where I'm like, and I I do, I think it's super cool. It's no shade to, to any of that. <laughs> but like, there's like this wicker chair that's tipped over. <laughs> and, and Dr. Laura's like... And then this chair is overturned. Did she you know, lose her balance and fall into the chair? Or, you know, what's the the purpose of the chair, but this is not the way a chair is used. And What's this? What happened here? Did she fall? <laughs> Did, was it knocked over? And then Laura goes, either way, this is not the way a chair is used. Thank you, Laura. I'm. Thank you. And then she's like, and what about this plastic bag? Why is that here? What's with the paintbrush? And I'm like, Laura, girl, we don't know. That's why we invited you to the let's solve the thing party. That's why you're here. And then she says the whole thing about murder is that murder is conflict resolution for the offender. And she said, it's this went wrong. And now we got a stage and they roughly staged something like this. They panic. And that's what I call emergency murder. Emergency murder? What? And then and then Billy's like, oh yes, of course, the emergency murder. <laughs> like he's heard it, like it's like I, in every history book. Every murder is an emergency murder, no? So Lonnie eventually is like, Laura girl, was this a suicide or a murder? What's up? Before we get to what Laura has to say about that, Oxygen has spent a fucking million dollars rebuilding this set. They have an entire shooting day. This whole thing, there's 90 people on the set. They invited this woman in to figure out if this was a staged crime scene or an actual murder scene. So Lonnie finally cuts to the chase. And it's the moment of truth. And Laura's like, look, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? And I'm not going to hold back here. I'm just going to say it. I'm a straight shooter. I don't bullshit anybody. To answer your question, Lonnie, simply speaking, it's undetermined for me. My answer is, you know what, Lonnie? I don't know. I really don't. I don't know. I got nothing. I do know that a wicker chair should not be upright. Like, I, I mean, I think it should be. That's not how a chair is used. But honestly, and, I, and look, I, I'm a straight shooter, okay? That's why, okay, that's why I have the reputation I have. I tell you like it is. And you know what I know? I know nothing. It's just like what happened? What happened? So, yeah, I mean, I think this is how the, the first two episodes end. Yeah. Paul Holes is like, I have a heart out at like four. <laughs> so if we're going to build this set again, we right. got to get someone who actually has answers here. Paul Holes has the answers. <laughs> Stay tuned next week because he knows. Mm-hmm. 
Episode 2 of our coverage of Murder at the Mansion is available right now and ad-free at the $5 level on Patreon. Steve would kill me if I don't say. It will only be at the $5 level for one week. And then when it becomes our regular episode on the regular feed, you guys, it gets bumped to the $10 level with all the other ad-free apps. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, don't get mad. I know. It just he gets a lot of emails on that morning, and it's always like I know he deals with a lot. So yeah, yeah. Um, you guys don't forget on the Patreon is also where you can find over 150 full bonus episodes of GP and me just doing this nonsense. A whole lot of this. Uh, sometimes extra versions of this we call them after parties. Yeah, exactly. If you want to hang out with us and William Elizabeth, go check out our coverage of All Be Gone in the Dark. <laughs> or- Yes. Do you think he's going to like that or hate it? I don't know. I think he's going to love it. Billy, you love it. You love it. Totally. You did did a four-part Oxygen series. What did you think we were going to do? Billy. Um, you guys, there's no like coming up next. Coming up next is just this. Yeah. So stay tuned for our funny and hilarious outtakes. Yeah, I sure hope so. I'm more concerned. Paul is cool with me and the blazer, right? Like he gets it. Oh yeah, Paul is absolutely he's cool totally with you and the blazer. Okay, he knows he looks great in a blazer. Please, he's Paul Holes. Right. I actually want to have like in-depth conversations with him. That's a whole other thing. I think it's gonna happen for sure. Great. It should. Right. Paul, don't. Yeah. It's not weird. Ask Rabia. My love is I'm- not weird. It's just totally. <laughs> genuine and might be a lot but it's not weird Robbie has said on the record it's not weird (laughs) (laughs) alright we love you guys we love you bye Bye. I went for an exercise walk yesterday and I hurt my back and now that I'm laughing it it hurts again who goes walking we never meet Benny's wife but she's still mentioned a lot I don't Allison 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 oh my god yes she was like Whatever. It doesn't matter. This is a different podcast. They meet for, like, lunch at an outside, like, food court or something. (laughs) Yeah. It looks like that outdoor space, like, near New World Stages where Blockheads is. It looks exactly like that. That was just for me and you, I realize, as it's coming out of my mouth. I'm sorry. Nobody around me die ever. Please let me go first because imagine what you would be doing to everybody else in my life. I kind of want to watch it, though. Oh, that's the most heartless thing you've ever said. I know, but, there, but there's a but he, hold on, hold on, bear with me. There's a there's a part of me that's like, right. like, does he love me that much that he would be so horrible? I'm a little curious. Yeah, but I, I I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Are we to believe that Billy Jensen and Paul Holes of the like hit podcast Jensen and Holes are just meeting because they yeah. do that straight guy half like the handshake and half hug like, hey man, good to see you, man. Hey man. They totally know each other. They're like right. best boyfriends. I'm not saying that they have a couple of drinks and like kiss each other once. I don't know that for sure. What I think maybe happened yeah. is on like, there was like a movie night and yes. like an and, like someone did the, oh, the arm stretch, <laughs> the yawn in the arm. And like yeah. somehow yeah, yeah. there's an arm around somebody and that's, it's fine. Paul never take off that blazer ever. Or. Or just the blazer, like only the blazer. <laughs> that was, that was even part of the fantasy, but now it is. Just doing my job. It's a weird one, but I love it. <laughs> I just want everybody to know that that, uh, in fact, was the very first time Jillian ever asked me if we could just get to the sex club. I mean, for once, can we just hurry up? I got things to do. Let's get to the fucking sex club. God. (laughs) 